and welcome to Talking General Practice, the podcast from GP Online. I'm Emma Bauer, the editor of GP Online. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to GPs from the East of England region about the GP Trailblazer Deprivation Fellowship Scheme. This is a fellowship scheme aimed at newly qualified GPs working in practices in deprived areas to help give them the skills to thrive and make a difference in the practices and communities where they work. Coming up, I'm speaking to Dr. Rahil Riazat, who is Director of Leadership Development for the East of England region and Clinical Lead for the GP Trailblazer Deprivation Fellowship Scheme in that area, about how the scheme works and how it's supporting local GPs and making a difference to patient care. And I'm also speaking to Dr. Arkeb Hussein, who's a GP in Luton and one of the fellows on this year's scheme about how it's helping him in practice and what he sees as its benefits. I'm joined on the podcast today by Dr. Rahil Riazat and Dr. Arkeb Hussein. Rahil works at NHS England, where she's the programme director for the National Health Equity Focused Training Programme and director of leadership development for the East of England region and clinical lead for the GP Trailblazer Deprivation Fellowship Scheme in the East of England. Arkeb is a GP in Luton and is currently a fellow on the Trailblazer Deprivation Fellowship Scheme, which is what they're both here to talk about today. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, no problem. Thank you very much for asking us to join today. So, Rahil, let's start with you. Can you explain a little bit about your background and your role at NHS England now? So, I've been working as a GP in the East of England for most of my career, and I've been a programme director for the East of England GP Trailblazer Deprivation Fellowship Programme for um, the last three years. And also in the last year, I was appointed as the programme director for the Health Equity Focused Training Programme. And I'm also responsible for leadership development across the East of England. Okay, you mentioned there the health equity focused training programme. So this is a programme that's aimed at GP trainees. So before we come on to the fellowship programme, could you explain a bit about how that scheme works? So the health equity focused training, also known as the HEFT programme, is an England wide programme. So doctors have been recruited into the HEFT programme at the start of their GP training. So currently we have over 300 learners from seven regions across England. Um, And the aim is to equip them with the necessary knowledge and skills to enable them to thrive in deep end practices. So it's a three-year enhanced educational program, which focuses learning on inclusion health groups. The trainees take part in this program alongside their standard GP training. It's a really exciting time to be leading on this because reducing health inequalities is a priority for NHS England. And the HEF program and the GP Trailblazer Deprivation Fellowship program both provide a very important opportunity for us to ensure that the future GP workforce is confident to deliver on this priority. The HEF programme is evolving. We only started last year in August, and so we're still learning and developing as we go along. For the coming year, we've got lots planned from bailing groups to using the collaborative future NHS um, online platform. We're also looking at setting up our own podcast, connecting with the GP Trailblazer fellows so that they can provide mentoring for the HEF trainees. Specifically on the Trailblazer Deprivation Fellowship Scheme, what exactly is that and why did NHS England decide to set this up in the east of England? I know that it started life in Yorkshire and the Humber, but there are now schemes across England, aren't there? That's right. So in the east of England, we set up the scheme um, to help with recruitment and retention in deep end uh, GP practices. So these are practices that are operating in areas of high levels of disadvantage and uh, poverty they're a way in which we can try and help energise GP trainees or newly qualified GPs who are working in these regions. And the programme is open to GPs who are employed already as salary GPs or partners. They just have to be in a substantive role in their practices and they have to be early career GPs. So that means that 
within the first five years after qualifying as a GP enables them to apply for the fellowship. We also try and, again, bridge the knowledge gaps there and give them the skills and the confidence to work in these challenging environments and so that they can improve the care of the patients who live in poverty, those who belong to marginalised groups. And we have evidence that shows that deep end practices are less likely to become training practices because of the pressures on staffing and availability on rooms, etc. And so we'll have a fair few GPs that will qualify but not have had any practice in working in deep end areas. So the fellowship actually is is quite good in, you know, as I said, bridging that gap in knowledge and skills and enabling them to sort of not only survive in deep end practices, but also thrive. How does the scheme actually work in practice? What does it involve for the GPs who take part in it? How long are they fellows for? What do they actually do while they're on the scheme? Fellowships are one year long. Um, So each fellow spends about four to eight sessions working clinically in their practice and that's negotiated between them and the practice and then they have two sessions for the fellowship for which the practice receives backfill payments from NHS England. On the sessions there's national teaching sessions that are organised by Yorkshire and Humber and there's regional sessions and we bring in expert speakers so for the regional sessions I try and make sure that we've got a a regional flavour. So we tend to source experts from around the region. And these will be individuals who are working either within the integrated care system or from the voluntary sector or charitable organisations. And there'll be other GPs, you know, researchers, public health colleagues, nurses. So we try and make sure that it's multi-professional speakers that we're bringing in before we're aiming to work within an integrated care system. So um, it really makes sense to sort of draw on the learning from all those professionals. We also start um, each session with a wellbeing activity. And this is really important because we find that people who are working within deep end practices, they're working under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. And, you know, they are at risk of stress and burnout or most of us are working in general practice. And so um, introducing the wellbeing activity at the beginning of every session is really good in sort of taking the GPs into a slightly different headspace so that they can sort of just relax and, you know, have a little bit of fun. Also, What's really rewarding for me is to find that they've actually drawn on some of the well-being activities in their working week um, to sort of get them through a difficult day. You know, we should all be sort of role modelling um, how we can look after ourselves better in the work that we do. We also include the patient voice and lived in experience. So we try and make sure that, you know, we share the patient narrative and story. We appreciate what we're doing well as health professionals and what we could do better so we learn from our patients. The um, fellows also get an opportunity to access coaching and mentoring through the training hubs and we facilitate action learning sets so they learn from each other. They also work on a project as well throughout the year um, and this is um, aligned with an interest of theirs and in conjunction with any needs that their practice may have or you know any needs of their PCN. We also encourage attendance at relevant conferences. Do they have to actually already work in a deep end or a deprived practice before they can come onto the scheme? Is that part of the requirements to be on the scheme? 
So that's a good question. So in the application process, we do give priority to those GPs who are working in practices where the population has IMD score of greater than 20%. So the more deprived deep end practices. However, we have had one or two GPs uh, working in affluent areas of the region, but they demonstrate experience and interest in health equity work. And so we've accepted them onto the programme and they've gone on to do really well. So GPs tend to change jobs and relocate and there are pockets of deprivation and poverty in almost all towns. And so I think addressing health inequalities and being able to serve those who are vulnerable and less likely to access healthcare should be something that all GPs are able to do confidently. As long as we've got places, we don't turn GPs applying to the programme away just based on which practice that they're working in. The projects they're working on, are they things that generally are work that would help the practices where they're working? Are they generally like real life projects about things that they could change within the practice? Yes, definitely. So they're the real life projects. Um, so some of the fellows um, decide to work on a project that's relevant directly to the practice that they're in. Others will choose to work on a project that is relevant to the PCN. So that's a group of practices that they're working with and so it's relevant to them. Uh, we have some who have sort of gone beyond that and have actually um, taken up jobs where they're working at a system level. How is this one different from the other fellowship schemes? So all the fellowships provide an opportunity for GPs to learn and develop. And so what makes the East of England GP Trailblazer Deprivation Fellowship Programme unique is that we provide an enhanced curriculum of education that's focused on health equity um, and how inequalities can be addressed. So I think that that sort of stands us apart from the Need to Practice Fellowship, for instance. The East of England, as I said, I co-designed the curriculum with the fellows. So they get a bit more of a bespoke experience and they all also contribute to the programme in terms of bringing in speakers from their areas where they're working um, who are relevant to the projects that they're working on, uh, quite different from other fellowships. We also place an emphasis on research, public health and population health earlier on in the curriculum. And again, this is because, you know, we're very much wanting to align what projects the fellows do with uh, the core 20 plus 5 clinical framework, which is um, from NHS England as to how we want to address health inequalities. And we encourage the fellows to link the clinical priorities that they choose together with what's a priority for their practice or their, you know, their PCN that they're working in or, you know, within the system. Throughout the whole fellowship, we try and embed this in so that it is relevant for patients and their outcomes. You've sort of mentioned a lot of the the training that you've kind of developed locally that's specific to your area, but they also get training as part of a national programme, which is run by the organisation Fair Health. What sort of things does, does that training cover? So the Fair Health curriculum is very comprehensive. So the national sessions take place on the last Friday of every month and the programme runs from October till September. So this year, the fellows have learned about trauma-informed care, coastal health, refugee and migrant health, persistent pain, homeless health, modern slavery and human trafficking, prison medicine, public health, medically unexplained symptoms, gypsy roma, traveller, cultural awareness training. So they have an expert speaker who comes along to the session and then they also get an opportunity to work in small group to reflect on the, the session and to share their learning and experience. In the east of England, we start in April due to the way our funding streams work. And so the fellows get to 
also focus on leadership, change management and education and facilitation skills, as well as have the Fair Health curriculum. And I think this enriches their learning experience. How many people are on the scheme at the minute? How many people do you sort of get on the scheme each year? We have funding for 12 GPs across the region. So that's 12 GPs who get one full day funded to come onto the scheme. It is a very popular programme. On the national programme, there's a total of 55 GP fellows from across England. And we are the largest in the east of England, being able to fund 12 GPs. So, OK, probably a good time to bring you in here. You could just explain a little about about your background and where you practice now. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me here today. So I qualified as a GP a few years ago and I had two main special interests that I was interested in. One was in medical education and the other was in tackling health inequalities. And I think the medical education side of things came about uh, due to my passion for teaching and learning whilst the special interest in health inequality was due to my own background of being brought up in Luton and seeing the effects health inequalities have within the community and really wanted to make a change. So in my first year after qualifying, I did an education fellowship where I was involved in teaching different GPBTS schemes whilst working on my master's in medical education. I joined Leavale Medical Practice, which is a deep end practice based in Luton, where a large focus of my clinics are towards catering to the unique healthcare needs of asylum, refugee and homeless groups. And whilst I was carrying out that work, I thought the Deprivation Fellowship would be an excellent opportunity for it to complement the work that I'm already doing. Was there anything specific that appealed to you about the scheme that made you want to apply? Firstly, I thought it was an excellent opportunity for me to learn more about an area of medicine that's not often covered in depth. So, for example, in the Deprivation Fellowship so far, we've covered topics on modern slavery and human trafficking, uh, social determinants of health and prison medicine, which has been a really good insight. And I think the knowledge I've gained has really improved my own practice. The second reason was, is that I mentioned that I work at a deep end practice. And, and that essentially is a practice that serves an area that has a high level of socioeconomic deprivation. And I really wanted to build on and improve my own scope of practice by gaining a deep understanding on the effects of deprivation so that I can provide more compassionate care. And I felt the Deprivation Fellowship allows you to do this by providing access to resources, teaching and training opportunities where I wouldn't have been able to get elsewhere. What are some of the most important things you've learned from the fellowship about how general practice can tackle health inequalities? Are there sort of specific things that you intend to take forward from all of this? I think through the fellowship, you know, I've gained a valuable insight on how general practice can play a crucial role in addressing health inequalities. And I think for me, one of the key takeaways is the importance of tailoring healthcare to meet the unique needs of different individuals and groups. So by understanding the specific circumstances patients face, it allows you to provide more effective care. Um, And another thing I've learned about the Deprivation Fellowship is the importance of building a good rapport. So in many patient cases, you you may only have one chance to do this. For for example, I come across patients who are homeless. They have chronic untreated medical conditions such as poorly controlled diabetes with leg ulceration and a background of intravenous drug use and mental health. And they may present to you out of the blue at your practice. And at that point, you realise that, well, actually, I can't just spend 10 minutes trying to deal with all these issues. And instead, I'm going to spend more time addressing their concerns so that they feel listened to and are more likely to be compliant with engagement and follow up. And for me, that has worked well in the majority of situations just by providing that extra time and care. 
One of the things that Rahil was explaining is about peer support and learning. It's obviously a really important part of this scheme. Um, and you take part in things like action learning sets. How does all that work and how has that actually benefited you? In the Debt Profession Fellowship, there are quite a few of us. And we all have a unique background in terms of where we've trained and the practices that we are currently working in. And I think the fellowship allows us to meet regularly and provides a platform to discuss the challenges that we are facing in the workplace so that collectively we can try and help one another find solutions. And I think the the added values that come to mind include things like having a diverse perspective. So you're working with GPs in similar backgrounds and we also have speakers with other special interests from different working environments. And that insight often helps you to spark ideas about how you improve your own practice and care, learning from one another. So you see other GPs working across East of England in similar settings, and it's often useful to see what they are doing in their own practice. And I think generally having that peer support where you're in a supportive environment, it's a safe space to discuss challenges and seek input from from each other. And that's really valuable, to be honest. Do you feel like you learn as much from each other as you do from the kind of more formal learning that you have? Is that really an important part of it? Yes, definitely. In addition to that, so the learning that you get from one another, it's the the time that you take to reflect on these discussions that really improves your own confidence in improving and tackling these complex issues. One of the things that Rahil was talking about, actually, it'd be interesting to see what your take on this is as well, is about the fact that being part of this group, it's really important as well for people's well-being because it's hard it's difficult working in some of these deep end practices obviously you you are dealing with really challenging patients which have who often have really difficult stories and that's a lot to deal with do you think that being part of the fellowship has helped you deal with that side of practice as well definitely having dr Rahil there that's been amazing because she's been a brilliant mentor and i think having the opportunity to have other healthcare professionals present where you're able to bounce ideas, you're able to have a platform where you can discuss the challenges that you're facing and getting that insight from other people about how they would change practice within their own environment and implementing that in your practice is really useful, to be honest. Have you used the fellowship as a chance to work on a specific project or issue that's close to your heart? And what's what's that involved? Yeah, so, so in the practice that I'm currently working at, I was delivering an outreach clinic uh, that was set up in a local charity that supports those experiencing homelessness and exclusion. So I had many pros. Patients were able to drop in and see a GP. Uh, the location meant it was opportunistic for patients, so they weren't going out their way. And it really broke down some of the stigma for some of these patients of having to attend a surgery to see a doctor. So through the fellowship currently, I'm looking into two main projects. I think one is on developing a comprehensive outreach program that's sustainable. And the second is from an academic perspective is to develop resources for trainees about various topics on health inequalities, uh, which I'm currently doing for the National Health Equity Focus Training Programme. What's the next steps in your career? When do you finish the fellowship? Because it's a year long programme, isn't it? And then what's, what are your plans about what you're going to do next? So I finish in April 2024. I think for me, I'll almost certainly continue my efforts in medical education. And I think looking about the outreach programme that I was hoping to develop about service improvement and development. So, Rahil, if I just bring you back in here, I mean, from your point of view, what do you think the benefits of the scheme are for the GPs who take part in it, for the practices they work in, and and actually for your local area as a whole? 
So the fellows are really enthusiastic, dynamic and inspiring GPs and they have a real drive to make a positive difference and address health and equity in, within their sphere of influence. So each individual GP brings a unique experience. For me, it's an absolute pleasure to be part of their journey and to watch them flourish. The, the main reason why we sort of started with this fellowship was to support recruitment and retention of um, GPs, especially those working in deep end practices and also to develop future leaders and educators with a passion for addressing health inequalities and from what I've seen so far you know with the three cohorts that we've had we're certainly sort of achieving that and I think over the coming you know two to three years we'll be in a position to evaluate the program and see what the long-term benefits um, and where you know, the, the fellows who've come on the programme, you know, have gone to next and what they're doing. I do try and keep in touch with the fellows and, you know, keep an ear out as to what they're doing. And they're all still working in this field of trying to address health inequalities in, you know, whichever way they can within their practices or their practice care networks at higher levels, at a system level. We write a lot about recruitment and retention. We look a lot at data around recruitment and obviously lots of deprived areas really struggle with recruitment. And those often you find that the most underdoctored parts of the country are some of the most deprived areas. And I'm sure some of that must be about the fact that people might feel a bit daunted about going to work in some of those practices. So do you see fellowship and not just the fellowship as well, but the, the GP training program, do you see that as helping equip people to understand that those practices can be really valuable and rewarding places to work and they don't have to be too intimidating to actually work there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the overwhelming feedback and response that I get from the HEF trainees and from the Trailblazer fellows is that they really do want to make a difference. And these are really caring individuals who who go out of their way to make a difference to the population groups that they're working with. And I think it's just about how do we continue to nurture that enthusiasm and passion without them sort of experiencing compassion fatigue and sort of burning out so how, how can we protect them and allow them to continue to doing what they're doing and the fellowship is a way in which we can give them a little bit of something back in order for them to have that space to think and do and to replenish um, you know the energy stores it is a bigger problem and the schemes like the trailblazer deprivation fellowship program should be expanded and we are trying aren't we really hard to you know focus on the well-being of clinicians so i think yeah we, we just need to continue doing more of the same well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening and thanks so much to Raheel and Arkeb for taking the time to talk with me. I'm back next week when I'll be joined by our Deputy Editor Nick Bostock to talk about the latest news affecting general practice, so please do join me then. In the meantime, you can find the latest news and a host of other resources on our website at GP Online. And to make sure you don't miss anything, please do register on the site and sign up to our email alerts. 